welcome to the Evolution Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Ferraro. Here's my co-host, Dave Sanders. This week, talking NBA. Uh, so, let's just kind of get right to the point here, Dave. Do coaches matter in the NBA? I think it's a case-by-case circumstance, but if we start with um, one of the you know coaches was on the hot seat pretty recently and did keep his job, Brett Brown. We both acknowledge that we're Sixers fans. Um, you know, we follow them pretty regularly. Um, Go Sixers. <laughs> overall, do you think Brett's done a good job in Philly? Overall, yes. Uh, I think you're looking at a guy who changed the culture because uh, they were bad. Now, granted, there was a process, but I think he's changed changed the culture. Uh, he does a great job managing multiple stars. Um, and I think based on all the comments, his players really love him. What do you think? I think that's the most important part. So, like you said, the culture has changed. He preached positivity in those years where they won 19 games, 18 games, 10 games. And that was huge. And then, you know, when Embiid and Simmons joined the team, he was there, you know, to guide them along from there, really develop strong relationships with them. And those relationships, I think, are why he still has the job today. You heard, as you mentioned, what, you know, Embiid said about him, what Jimmy said about him. Um, in the NBA today, I think that's just the most important thing. The X's and O's are definitely a part of this as well. Um, but you see so often that the stars are running off these coaches, and LeBron's gone through so many of them during his career um, that I think Brett had to stay, you know, for those reasons, especially with Jimmy being a free agent. Definitely. And my, my always general argument to especially, you know, not that you could argue via Twitter, but for Sixers fans in general is, okay, you want to fire Brett Bound. I can understand that he's maybe, you could argue maybe with a set he kind of underperformed, but other than a miracle shot at the end of game seven by Kawhi that makes five bounces that shouldn't have gone in based looking at the first bounce had no chance, but you know, it's Toronto, so magic happens. Who do you go get? Cool, let's fire Brett Brown. All right, great. What's next? That's always my question is, you want to move on from somebody, great, who are you going to go get? Yeah, that's the hard part. I mean, if you think about, okay, Brett's not great at the X's and O's, potentially. He's not great at in-game adjustments. There's some things he's done that I've loved and some things he's done that I haven't loved. Like, I don't understand why Embiid and Simmons can't split minutes and play at different times of the game. Um, but to get maybe a 5, 10, 15% better you know coach that's better at those specific aspects isn't worth the risk to me of losing a guy who's you know got the locker room in hand yeah i mean i think the locker room is kind of a a super big part because you've seen coaches that are are pretty decent at x's and o's um you know there's only so many i think super high quality coaches you know there's not if everybody had a greg popovich everybody would be a lot better but they don't um even Spolster is pretty good. You look at a Brad Stevens who's super great at the X's and O's, but uh, Boston went just as far as we did. Yep. So it, it's all about the bounce. It is. And, you know, like you said, Brett's done a good, pretty good job here. It's not like he's replacing Jason Kidd who tanked out in Milwaukee where Budenholzer came in there and his system went from being, you know, whatever Jason Kidd was doing to what Budenholzer now does with motion, spreading everything out, having shooters all around Giannis, and that's just changed the game of Milwaukee. Giannis is playing the best basketball of his career. Um, so like situations like that, when you're replacing somebody who's failing, that I think that's when it makes sense if you can make that right hire, just to get rid of Brett and hope the next guy is the next Budenholzer, is the next Kerr, is the next Brad Stevens. That's wishful thinking, I think. 
I agree 100. percent It's how many teams that make the second round of playoffs fire the coach? How? In uh, my next question, okay, so you if he, he he makes so let's say he made we made the Eastern Conference Finals, and then we got our doors blown off by Milwaukee. Do you fire him then? Right. You know, you know, at what point is it just not like okay, we made we made the playoffs, got past the Nets, made, you know, took Toronto, you know, to the edge. Arguably, probably should have won the game, could have won the game. You know, you get a bounce here or there, everything changes. You know, okay, so then what happens? Okay, maybe we get to Milwaukee, and you kind of look at how the series is going. Sure, we might win that one, and then okay, we go to Golden State and lose. I just never understand kind of. The worst, the last thing I want to see is the Sixers. Now, this actually worked out for Philadelphia, but pull, you know, pull an Eagles move and fire an Andy Reid. You know, a good coach who can do things that, not that Brett Brown's Hall of Famer, but like Andy Reid's an arguable Hall of Famer. So we got lucky, um, you know, made the right call and got Doug Peterson who took us and won a Super Bowl. But a lot of times you fire a coach and it just ends up worse. Yeah, it's kind of like the backup QB theory that. Fans are always excited for the next guy and just assumes it'll be better when very rarely it is. Uh, I think oftentimes we don't, you know, give coaches enough of a chance to learn on the job, you know, to make improvements. And that's why you'll see sometimes in the second opportunities, coaches do a lot better uh, because just like players, just like anybody in a professional career, you can, you know, learn from your mistakes and, you know, work towards improving them. And a lot of times we just think this is what he did. This is what he is. And this is what he's going to be. And that's not always the case. Definitely. Um, I'd like to see if we can keep this big four together. Um, I know, you know, Jimmy's going to get paid, and he deserves to be paid. You know, let him get an offseason big four, kind of plan something around that, figure out hopefully Ben Simmons learns to shoot a little more or has the confidence to take some shots and do something. You know, if they flame out next year, all right, now you've got a good argument. But I think he took a good group that went all in and took them pretty far. So it's not, a, to me, a, a reason to say he's got to go. Yeah, and they didn't play that many games together. I think actually in the playoffs they played more games, you know, together than they did all season, those four guys. So getting some more reps together, getting some more chemistry definitely could help. Uh, I know offline you mentioned to me your theory about why Embiid should play less games. So let's hit that as like one last Sixers topic. Yeah, um, the regular season simply doesn't matter. Uh, you need Joel Embiid to be there for the 20, 25 games. You're going to have for the playoffs. Um, it does not matter whether you're a one seed, two seed, four seed, seven seed. I mean, less home court is that big of an advantage. But I think if you got the right players, it doesn't matter. So let them play 40, 50 games, half a season. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, having them at 100%, guys like that, guys like Kawhi, guys like Embiid, um, when the playoff rotations get, get shorter, benches get shorter, having those guys play a ton of minutes and just being fresh for that, it's, just, it's proven to be way more important. And we've seen the Spurs do it back years. Um, the NFL has, or the NBA has rules against, you know, resting on certain primetime games, but it seems like there are ways around that. And there's not much they can do to prevent it because as we transition here to the lottery talk, the two teams that had major players sit uh, Lakers with LeBron, uh, Pelicans with Anthony Davis, both got rewarded heavily in the lottery. So while the bottom teams, those building, you know, really, really poor rosters, they weren't rewarded, but other tankers were rewarded. Yeah, um, I think with the lottery changing the odds, I know what the NBA was trying to do, uh, trying to keep people more in it, and, you know, that way if something happens, you're good. Uh, but I think by really screwing over 
the teams that are really bad. Um, now, granted, you can argue whether or not some of this is gross mismanagement. Um, looking at you, New York Knicks. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you know, LeBron gets the third pick on a team he's on, and it's not like he left that team and came, you know, this isn't the Cavalier days where he was on them, took them to the finals, and decided he was going to leave, and then they were bad. Like, LeBron was on this team all year, and they still got the third overall pick. Or second overall pick, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, the lottery system is never going to be perfect. They're always trying to make adjustments, and Rosillo talked about this on his uh, live stream the other night with Bill Simmons, how there's always been changing and they flip flop, you know, each way back and forth. And then, you know, the teams at the bottom don't have enough of a chance. Okay. They have too much of a chance. Now they have less of a chance. It's, there's always going to be somebody gaming the system and somebody getting an advantage. I think this is as almost as good as it can get because you don't want to have, you don't want to flatten it out even more and then have teams say, and maybe I'd rather miss the playoffs than be an eight seed and get smoked. And I still have a chance at the number one pick, like a, a better chance than 1% right now. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 if I'm a team that I know is going to get get walloped in the first round, I'll take out the bottom and get a better pick. Because um, the the NBA revenue is not down. It's not like, oh, man, are we going to be able to make payroll? Like, the NBA is making money hand over fist. So I don't sell enough, you know, playoff tickets for one year. Right. Well, great. And if you're going to tell me I get a, now I've got a solid chance of moving up from, you know, pick, was it 14? Try to do the math in my head real quick. Sixteen. Yeah. If I pick, you know, pick twelve. Now all of a sudden I've got pick four. Wow. Yeah. Like um, I'll glad I'll gladly miss a little bit of playoff revenue to move up and get a shot at Zion Williams. And that changes the course of your franchise. Um, NBA owners always cry poor during you know the like um, CBA negotiations and demand that they get a larger share of the revenue, but we've never seen one take a loss when they've sold one of these teams. It's always for immense profit. Um, so once, oh yeah, it's an argument that just has really no merit to it. It does, and I, I always it always cracks me up when you watch fans turn on players for wanting more money, but they will never turn on a billionaire owner. Like they, you know, they force the Clippers to get sold for a billion dollars. Right. <laughs> Cry me a river, like oh the, the Clippers are poor. Like get out of here with that kind of talk. I'm, I mean, I'd like to. I this is all basically stems to. His Holiness Sam Hinkie basically giving a finger to the NBA saying it pays better to tank and it will work. So we got owners that were upset because they're just perpetually bad. The Knicks, the Kings, that, you know, we're trying, but, you know, that we suck. Where, you know, Sam Hinkie came out and said, hey, I'm going to be bad. It's going to be bad for a couple of years because I need top lottery picks. Yeah, and that was one of the first ones to actually blatantly admit it, uh, make their plan so clear. We know... Almost every team has tanked over like the course of time, or the, whether it was the Spurs tanking for Duncan. Um, a lot of franchises claim to not have done it. They didn't do it as blatantly as the Sixers, but it's just it's widespread. Yeah, so as we dive into this offseason, the Lakers have been a mess. Most recently with Magic Johnson taking a torch to the Lakers on first take. Uh, I guess give me your thoughts on what that means for their offseason. Um, the Lakers had an opportunity here to clean everything up. Magic went on his wild first press conference rant where he quit, didn't bother saying anything to anybody, just got got mad because he got CC'd on an email that talked crap about him and how bad of a job he was doing. So he got mad, his feelings got hurt, and he quit. 
Lakers could have cleaned it up right there and said, hey, this is kind of a one-off situation. It wasn't the right fit. We made a mistake there. Love Magic. He's a great part of the team. Wish him nothing but the best. Boom. Situation over. Fire whoever you need to. Move on. Magic then went on first take and just torched them again. But the crazy part is he's had face-to-face meetings with Jeannie Buss. They sat down for dinner. They, they've. She asked him to his face, was there an issue with anything? You know, is there anything I need to know? What happened? Wouldn't say a word. Yeah, for somebody who claims to love the Lakers and have their best interests at heart, he has messed things up for them this offseason. Um, everybody knew he wasn't working hard. He came in and first said, you know, I'm not going to be here all the time. I have other businesses. I live the, you know, I live my life as Magic Johnson where I'm not going to be the guy grinding in here. And she said that was fine. And then he gets mad at Palinka for stating the obvious and saying that he's not there, which he's taking as backstabbing, but it really is almost truth-telling. And it was just so well, well known there that, yeah, he's not scouting throughout the year and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, he, but he's like, was he was he director of basketball operations? I guess was his title. Like you kind of knew what you were getting there. Yeah, president. I think, but I mean, at what point does this fall on? Like, yeah, Magic probably screwed up, did some things he shouldn't have done. That's what happens when you just hire former players that have no experience doing anything into roles they shouldn't be in. But like, when does this start falling on Jeannie Buss? Like, she hired Magic. Like, yeah, she's the one that went and put an agent as their GM. She listens to Kurt Rambis and his wife. Like, when is this on Jeannie? How is Kurt Rambis in a power position there? That is insane. Where did he come from? He, I mean, he's friends with Jeannie Buss and apparently <laughs> has her ear. So he talks, like, a lot of the power plays, got, as I've kind of delved a little bit into the saga, is Rambis behind the scenes talking smack on, you know, insert person here, and then her being like, yeah, you know what, that's right. Like the Lakers are, you want to? God, they're make, they're giving the Knicks a run for dysfunction. They really are, and the coaching search has carried it on too. So, Ty Lue didn't want to have Jason Kidd on his bench. Understandable. Not you don't want to head coach him waiting right there. You know, snooping for your job. They also only offered him a three-year I mean, Jason deal. Jason Kidd was a god always. The thing that gets me on that one is they they're trying to force Jason Kidd on the bench. Jason Kidd wasn't a good coach. No, that's fair. It's not like, oh, man, Jason Kidd was, you know, doing well. He had a couple injuries, and, the, and and they moved on. Like, no, he was bad. Why do you want him on your bench? This isn't somebody, you know, from we pulled from the college ranks that we think is going to be really good. There's nothing there Jason Kidd did in his tenure as a head coach that was like, damn, you know what, a break or two really goes his way, and we're talking a whole different story. Like, as you were saying, not to kind of pull off on that tangent too far, I mean, they botched the coaching search. How many times are we going to say we went through four or five coaches and didn't like them, and then, oh, actually, we're going to bring them back in for the next round and try it again? Yeah, it's a major problem. And then, I mean, Levitard always talks about this. They are a family business. They don't have businesses outside of the Lakers that, you know, supply their income. Um, They offered Ty Lue a three-year deal. And if that's the guy you want and you won't go to five years and you've got this window with LeBron James, how can you not – you know, offer those last two years and then just figure it out later. Um, to me, that's incredibly short-sighted. And, yeah, I mean, this they just haven't had a plan from day one. They just keep seeing the rea- they just react to different news. Um, the moves Magic Johnson made last year bringing in, I guess, Magic and LeBron in cohorts with this, but 
bringing in guys around him that couldn't shoot. They were just veterans and thinking that you're going to be tougher than the Warriors and the Rockets. That didn't make any sense. Like, it was proven back in Miami that LeBron needs shooters around him. The guys like Mike Miller, um, that can do a world of difference. But surrounding him with non-shooters, just that doesn't add up. I mean, you tell me Ray John Rondo's not a shooter, bro? Come on now. Um, some of that has to fall as the roster makeup. Some of it has to fall on LeBron. Uh, LeBron's got his boys, it seems like, that he wants to bring in. He's got his set of favorites, the guys he wants on the bench that he probably enjoys hanging out with all year. So some of that's on LeBron. Like I said, Magic botched last offseason. Yeah, he got LeBron, did nothing else. He rolled into this offseason with LeBron, then got a nice pick. Well, he wasn't around for the pick by that point, but still, the Lakers just, as you said, why argue over two years with coach when if you want to fire him anyway, you can afford to pay him. Right. It's not like the Lake. It's not like the genie, but the bus family is poor, and the Lakers are like, oh god, I'm gonna need to borrow some money to to do some renovations to the Staples Center. Money's not an issue. I don't know. I I never understand when we want to quibble over. At most, the two years would have been five. Ten million dollars worth of money, like it's not like Ty Lue is going to get twenty million a year, right? And this is after they botched the Anthony Davis situation, um, and some of that falls on Clutch, you know, LeBron's agency mismanaging it. Some of it falls on Anthony Davis um, for really limiting his market there and not making you know trades easier, um, and then just being so short sighted to not realize that the young players wouldn't on the Lakers wouldn't love to have their names in trade talks. Um, and then have, you know, LeBron sit out the rest of the year. So it really, to me, it's a mess. I don't know who's going there. Um, Davis, sure, it's a possibility. Um, but the trade I, just seems hard to work I, out at I this don't, point. They, they're not going to – even if Andy Davis wants to go L.A. at this point, I think the Pelicans would trade him to L.A. over their dead bodies uh, just out of principle at this point. But at this point, who in L.A. is going to negotiate a trade? Uh, GM who's an agent? Uh, okay, he has no idea what he's doing. You're gonna you're gonna trust Genie Bus to do anything correct. Karamas is gonna do it. Like who's gonna do the deals? Right. Uh, yeah, you can go to LA to play with LeBron and be in LA, but at this point, if you're gonna go to LA, just play for the Clippers and not have to deal with the BS that is the Lakers at this point. Yeah, I mean, if I'm Davis in that camp, I'm pushing for Boston, especially if Kyrie leaves. I'm pushing and, you know, really focusing on going there, hoping that they do maybe like a Tatum swap, and then they still have enough pieces around you where you can hopefully build something there. But it's going to be a messy offseason between Davis, who still has one year left on that deal, Kawhi, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, and a ton more. Um, And the lottery just did more to you and make that more confusing with, you know, Zion not ending up in New York. Um, If I forgot Durant and... uh, you know Kyrie too, but we'll see what happens now. Again, I don't think Davis, I don't think Zion going to the Pelicans has much impact on Davis, but I guess we'll see how that plays out too. I, I, I guess it's just whether Anthony Davis thinks there's any real future there. I mean, he could play his one year and see how it works out. I don't really see him doing that. Um, I think he's hell bent on leaving, so I, I don't see it working out. I mean, I guess somebody was trying to argue, you know, the Lakers could trade, you know, pick three and whatever, you know, plus some to get Anthony Davis. But it's it's, it's a mess. Um, I almost feel bad for the Knicks myself because they are all prepped on getting Zion, getting the jerseys made. Everything was going to be great. Here's this fantastic 
the word generational talent gets overused, but, you know, a really great player who's a freak of an athlete. Cool, he's going to lead New York back. No, just kidding. They got screwed on the lottery. That was tough for Knicks fans. Um, I like the way the lottery's flattened, but and it's made that TV show super dramatic now. I mean, in years where you have a player like Zion, it is insane. Um, having him go to New Orleans is interesting. Having John Morant go to Memphis, also not a great market and not a great you know, team to come in and make an instant impact. I don't know how great it is for the NBA, uh, but Knicks fans, they just continue to suffer. And it's not like James Dolan and everything, everybody have everything else figured out. So it's probably a little bit more misery there unless they sign some big key free agents this year. I mean, you figure they got picks, were they three? Yeah, three. So they're, they're pick three and two max slots. I just, I just don't know why you'd want to go there. Yeah, you can get your max money, but, you know, if you're a Jimmy Butler, do you really want to, unless Kevin Durant's the other max slot, you know, if it's not KD, are you, if you're, are you going to say, oh, I'm going to go to New York because they got pick three, Kyrie, and, you know, Tobias Harris? Right, I don't think that's enough. Yeah, no, it, um, it, it's not nearly enough. So, okay, so they got pick three, maybe they trade it, and, you know, they'll, the problem is then you start running out of money. So so they trade pick three and maybe say they get Anthony Davis out of it. Oh, my God, what a miracle. Um, you know, now if they get Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant, that's not that's a solid offseason. But it's the Knicks. It's not going to happen. They're totally going to botch it. I'm hoping they sign some really bad max deals, a la Boston and Gordon Hayward, and we can all move on enjoying them being terrible. If we uh, jump back to the fire, I guess the NBA playoffs for a little bit, the West is settled. We've got the Warriors there after sweeping. Um, we'll see if Durant can come back for the finals. In the East, where do you think that series nets out? Um, I th- end up thinking it's the Bucks and Six. Um, I think they're the better team. Uh, I just re- I like the style of play a little bit more. Um, you know, you've got to get some ridiculous nights out of Kawhi and his supporting cast for them to really move on. Uh, so I, I really think it's the Bucks and six. What are you? Um, but probably I think it goes seven. But I lean on towards the Bucks as well. That's the matchup that I really want to see um, against Golden State. And I'd love Durant to be healthy for it. I want this crew, if they do have one last run, to have it at full strength um, because it is one of the best basketball teams of our lifetime. Um, and then you know Giannis has been up and coming. The boot and holes are higher, like we mentioned earlier. I think it's fantastic. They have some really underrated pieces around him. Chris Middleton's a really solid player. Um, Brooke Lopez is even making an impact there. So I I think the finals could be a lot of fun. And if Durant does leave Golden State, it's going to re-energize so many fan bases that for the last couple years have thought, we don't have a chance in hell. And now the window is slightly opened. Um, That said, Steph, Clay, and Draymond are still a pretty good team. Yeah, um, I and mean, we've kind of showed in that Portland series, yeah, Kevin Durant makes a huge difference, but this team is still really good. Yeah. Um, you know, we're running into the point now where we got to start paying guys like Clay and Draymond and stuff like that. Plus, Durant's got to get paid. So, like, you know, money's going to start creeping up and be an issue. Iguodala is just magically turns 10 years younger in the playoffs. I mean, that's got to end at some point. Um, I think finals-wise, I, like I said, I... It doesn't matter. It's Golden State in five. It, it, that's what it's going to be. Um, I'll give you know the East team a win probably at home at some point, but I, Golden State in five. 
it's hard to see them losing. If Durant's healthy, it's pretty much impossible to see them losing. Uh, but I'll still be I'll be glued to it. Yeah, even with Durant not healthy at this point, they're going to win regardless. Like the three, those three guys. Um, you know, they're talking about. Uh, you know, like Durant getting healthy and. And I just totally blanked on the big man's name. Cousins, Boogie getting healthy. Boogie could come back for the finals. Like, you add Boogie even for a 10-minute stretch, you know, five-minute stretch at a time. It's terrifying. I mean, it's yeah, just too, yeah, it's an all-star like, team. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, and that's that's kind of the crazy part is this team, if you realize that they could have rolled out Durant, Clay, uh, Steph, Draymond and Boogie Cousins, if they would have all been healthy, like that's a that's a death lineup. You can't do anything against that. It's literally shooters everywhere. Right. We've never seen anything better. It's it's incredible. And as to your point, Cousins shoots threes, which is just I mean they're impossible to stop. Yes. Yes. Uh, so it'd be curious how season ends up. Um, I think we'll end up doing an NBA kind of wrap up pod as uh, you know probably a little closer to draft time either. Right around there. Uh, that's going to wrap us up this week here on the Evolution Sports Podcast. Uh, you can find the podcast at Evil Sports on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at DrewFerraro88 on Twitter. Uh, make sure you like, rate, and subscribe. It does help us out. Let's just know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. Love the comments. We've been getting some good ones from you guys, so we do appreciate it.